You're listening to the Crossroads Grace Podcast, a podcast of Crossroads Grace Community Church. To learn more about our gathering times and ways you can get involved, check out our website at crossroadsgrace.org. Well, good morning, Crossroads. How are you doing this morning? Yeah. Hey, listen, how about that worship this morning, man? Wasn't it, wasn't it on? Wasn't it good? I say that because you don't want to leave early from the service. You ain't seen nothing yet. There's something special coming worship-wise in this service. There's some good things. It's so great to see you. You guys look marvelous, right? Y'all look really great. It's so great to see you here. Hey, check this out. Today, we are doing a soft launch of our online campus. That's awesome. We are live. People all over the place are looking at this right now, right? Feel bad for them, but that's all right. But we're pumped. We're, we're, we're launching it next week, full launch next week officially. But we're doing a soft launch. We've got some people um, uh, tuning in from around the country, uh, viewing it for us, giving us opinions and perspectives, and it's really great. Isn't that awesome? Is that really awesome? It's great. Hey, do me a favor. Let's pray for that online campus right now. Father God, we are so excited that you gave us another way to get the word out, Father, to spread the message of hope and your love and salvation and everything, Father. We can spread it even farther now. We thank you for giving us the technology. We thank you for giving us the people that have a passion to run that technology. We pray for Robbie as he is our online campus host, that you would just uh, anoint him and work through him as well, Father. God, we're so excited about this. We want to do more for you. And God, we thank you for letting us do this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, that's awesome. That's really awesome. I'm excited about that. So listen, we're glad you're here. We're going to wrap up our series called Stronger that we've been in for the last couple weeks. It's been a three-week look at what it's like to be single in our world today. And what we found out that is very hard to be single in this world today. There's an ever-changing world around us that has ever-changing expectations of us and, and placed on single people. But this certainly isn't just an adult thing when we're talking about singles. There's all these pressures on junior high and high school kids, college students, you name it. These uh, issues are very real to struggle with. And what we said is that in order to honor God with our singleness, we need to be strong. And we actually found a great anchor for that in the definition of strong itself. We see strong is able to withstand great force or pressure, 
right? There's no doubt that being single in the world today requires you to be strong, to be able to withstand great force and great pressure because the world brings it, right? The world's not ashamed of its message. It brings it. It lays, you, lays it on you hard with great force and great pressure. Every day we're bombarded with expectations from other people, from the world, how we should look, how we should be, what TV we should watch, what political candidate we should vote for, all that stuff. It just powers in on you. And if we buy into that line of thinking, it could become very overwhelming and very easy to cave in to what everybody else wants. What we've tried to say that it is to be strong as a Christian single is to not only withstand great force or pressure, but to honor God with our entire life, our entire life for God, no matter what situation we may find ourselves in. And that's key right there. What situation we may find ourselves in. Now remember in week one, we read the verse from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 that shows us what our approach needs to be uh, no matter what, uh, what matters in life we're facing. And this verse is applicable not only to singles, but to married couples as well. Also to those in dating relationships, to the widow, to the widower, to the divorced, you name it. And that verse is this, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 17. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them just as God has called them. Now, I love how Paul says it. Whatever they are assigned to, whatever the situation the Lord has assigned to them, because honestly, sometimes the assignment we're giving or the assignment that we're given is not always the assignment we want, Right? The assignment we're given in life is not always the assignment that we want. Some of us are on the being sick assignment, right? When we'd rather be on the being healthy assignment. Some of us are on the my spouse cheated on me assignment. When really we'd rather have the happy marriage assignment. Some of you may be in an assignment where you're in a season of waiting. Waiting for a baby waiting for a miracle, waiting for something from God. But Paul says, whatever the situation, hear me, whatever the situation, we still need to live as a believer. We still need to keep it together. He's saying that our assignment in life is not an okay reason to compromise our faith. We must look at our assignments as God-given opportunities to grow closer to him and also to be an example to others. We can do that. And as we've looked specifically at those that are single, we understand that being single is not the assignment sometimes that single people want. Many that are single would like to be married with a family uh, or in a relationship. But God is telling us that no matter what the assignment, no matter what the assignment, he still calls us to live as a believer. So far in this three-part series called Stronger, we focus on two very important areas of our lives, our time together, identity and purity. And the third area that we're going to look at as we close out the series is security. Now, if you've missed any of the sermons, you can go back and watch them online. You can watch them through the Crossroads app. You know, you can do that. Make sure you go back and uh, watch those because uh, this series is not just for singles. Really, the truth in this are very transferable to everybody. Okay, so listen close. We all wrestle with questions of identity. 
Single or married, we all wrestle with that. We all have areas that we'd like to be more pure in our life, right? We've talked about identity, we've talked about purity. And the beautiful thing is, is God speaks into all those areas of our lives if we let him, if we listen. He will do that all of our life. He will do that. For instance, in week one, we said, your identity tells you who you are and whose you are. There's a lot of people walking around with with just a fog for identity. They, They don't know who they are. They don't know whose they are. And that creates a lot of trouble. We borrowed the illustration from the movie Toy Story, right? Uh, whose name is written on the bottom of your boot, right? Well, we all know it was Andy. Yeah, he belonged to Andy. That in order to live our lives as God called us to, we need to know whose name is written on our heart, whose name is written in our identity. Our identity is found in him first. Nothing else you talk about. Nothing else we deal with today matters more than that, right? We have to have that settled. We have to have that in place before we can get the rest of this. Then last week, we tackled the subject of purity, that as God looks at our lives, he sees us not just as people he created, but he sees us as temples he wants to dwell inside. In other words, God wants to take up residence in your life. And when he does that, We begin to truly live. Ultimately, God said, purity isn't just about keeping sex special. It's about how we treat the temple, right? So purity, that means that we choose to stay pure in our relationships before marriage because God is residing in us. And as Christians, our lives are truly his. That it's not our body to do with what we want. We were bought with a price. We belong to him. And we are to honor him with all that we have, including our purity, as we remember the high price he paid to buy us back. That's amazing. That's good news. That's encouraging. And that leads us to our final week. Today we get to talk about the last area of Stronger in this series, and that is security. Security. Now, it seems to me that security is an issue that we all deal with uh, throughout the day in many ways. Maybe you don't realize it, right? So listen to this. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Do you feel secure with the driver next to you on I-5 when both of you are going about 70 miles an hour, right? Literally just a few feet away. And when you look over, you notice that the other guy is steering with his knees and texting, how does that make you feel? Burr, right? Have you ever been that guy? Don't raise your hand. That's all right. All right? How about this? Any motorcyclists in the room? Anybody? Just raise your hand. If you ride a motorcycle, if you drive a motorcycle, yeah. You guys shake my security to the core when I'm driving, right? Man, you're, you're stuntmen. You're acrobats. You're, you're, you're brave. You lane split. What is that all about? I never heard of lane splitting before. Right? You lane split. That scares the heck out of me. Man, I'm just driving. I'm about to pass. Someone goes by. And I know what they say. It's safer on a motorcycle to go faster because you can control what happens better. So that It scares the heck out of me. Right? Shakes my security. How about this? We have to be aware of security. We think about it every time you use your credit card or your debit card. 
right? Ever got your card skimmed at the gas station? All right, you find out that uh, some guy up in uh, Milwaukee has purchased uh, $450 worth of, I don't know, um, camping stuff or whatever. And they call you and say, hey, have you, the bank calls you, hey, you've been in uh, Milwaukee recently and uh, bought some camping gear? No, I didn't. Well, great. This guy did on your card. How about this? How secure do you feel strapped into your seat on the airplane when the turbulence hits, Right? I mean, if, if you look over the flight attendant and he or she is putting on their parachute, <laughs> right, right. If they're over there in their seat strapped in and they're just reading a book and being real calm, I feel much better. But that parachute kind of scares me, right? But security, it's a big thing in our lives. It's all around us. It's a concept that we have to think about all the time. All the time. And when it comes to being single, the thought of security also comes up a lot. Which is why on dating sites, you now fill out a profile of yourself and give a picture, hopefully a real picture of you, so that you can get to know someone before you go on a date. Matter of fact, check this out. Our next-gen director, Heather Mahoney, discovered something funny the other day that I think really fits into this message. Okay, listen to this. If you've ever heard of the dating app Tinder, right? you know that you get to see a person's picture and just a brief little bit about them. So we thought, what would happen if biblical characters were on Tinder? What would their little ads look at? Let's take, let's, let's take, let's take a look at this right here, okay? How about this? Adam, this is his ad, Adam, 32. I would give up a rib to meet the right person. <laughs> <laughs> Hobbies include gardening and being with animals, always willing to try new foods. <laughs> That's great. How about this next one? This is great. Ruth, starting a new life in a new land, you need to be mature, secure, and financially stable. I like feet. <laughs> okay, and one more. How about this one? One more. Okay, this is Jonah, 43. Well, there's plenty of fish in the sea, but perhaps you are the one for me. Side note, I hate the ocean. <laughs> That's clever. But you know, as a single, security can be a real thing. And in this context today, we're not talking so much about physical safety, but although that is also a real issue in the world of, of the single life, but more we're talking about security in who you are regardless of what God may or may not bring into your life. Who you are, regardless of what assignment you get. You see, there's a constant question in the back of your mind that says, will I still trust God? And will I still trust that he's good if I stay single the rest of my life? Or how do I find joy in being single? Or how can I stop feeling alone? These thoughts roll in your head. These are all questions of security. Now, if you're married or in a relationship, you're not immune from those kinds of thoughts as well, right? You have security issues and thoughts roll around your head. I know I do. I've been married for a long time, and I still ponder these things. What would happen to my faith if one of my kids died? Man, I don't know. I'd like to say I know, but I don't know. How would I feel towards God if Tanya left me? If my health declines later in life, what then? 
And man, I pray that you're more faithful than I am, but I'm guessing that some of these have swirled around inside your mind as well. Deep down, what I think of all these questions that they're really asking, will I be okay if what my heart wants isn't what God wants? That can be hard, not just logically, but also because of what we read biblically. In Psalms 37, 4, it says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalms 24, May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. Right? And so maybe some singles are screaming out in their mind, All right, so what if God knows the desires of my heart that I don't want to be single? Right? Why am I still single? How about this? Why does she break up with me? How about this? Why am I having to wait? These are the desires of my heart. Why is it this way then? The desires of my heart. Why did he die so young then? Why? We long for security, right? And guess what? It's all right to ask God these questions too. He doesn't get mad when you have questions. He wants you to come to him to find the answers. It's good to ask God questions. We long for security. But this only leads to another question in our heart, which is this. How am I supposed to be secure when I don't feel so secure right now? I believe this answer can be found in what happened in 1940. In 1940, during World War II, the German Wehrmacht had the British Expeditionary and French forces surrounded at Dunkirk on the northern coast of France. The British Navy couldn't rescue them. There was no way to fight their way out, and it looked like nobody was going to survive. All the British and French needed to do was cross the English Channel, and they'd be out of France. But there was no time to stage an evacuation. So one British officer sent a three-word telegram to the war offices in London. And the telegram reads this. But if not. But if not. Now this wasn't some secret wartime code or signal. It was rather from scripture. It was from scripture. And that scripture is what I believe is going to help us tackle the security issue that we all have, the security that we desire. It's found in Daniel chapter 3. If you have your Bibles with you today, you can turn to Daniel chapter 3. You can open your Crossroads Grace app, and uh, the notes are there, but it's in Daniel chapter 3. Now, Daniel is a fascinating book in the Old Testament, especially the first six chapters that give us such a vivid example of faith and strength. And we pick up in the book, we see that Judah has been overtaken by King Nebuchadnezzar of the country of Babylon. But King Nebuchadnezzar didn't worship the God of the Bible, not by a long shot. So when he conquered Jerusalem, he took all the things from the temple of God and brought them to his pagan temple in Babylonia. And this shook the people of Judah because for the first time they were not under the security or the secure hand of God's protection. You see, they had already chosen to worship other gods so, and it had reached a point where God couldn't ignore this anymore. Their sin was so great that God allowed Babylon to overtake them 
so they could feel the weight of their decisions. God allowed this to happen so they could feel the weight of their decisions. And you might think that it seems really brutal of God to allow that. How could he allow them to be taken over by another nation? Isn't God supposed to be our protector? Isn't God kind? Isn't God loving? The answer is yes to all those. He desperately wants you to be under his protection. But when we sin, we are choosing not to stand under the umbrella of God's protection. And when that happens, we can't be surprised if we get wet. If we don't stand under the umbrella, we're going to get wet. And God won't force you to be under his umbrella. Have you ever witnessed a friend or family member headed down a path that was leading to a really bad ending? You could see it a mile away, but they just don't see it. Maybe drugs, maybe bad relationships, whatever the case may be. I get this question a lot. I see this scenario a lot. Being the pastor of recovery ministries here at Crossroads, you know, this subject, this, this matter comes up a lot. And I always get the, the question from loved ones that says, what can I do to stop this? What can I do to save them? What can I do to keep them from feeling the pain? When I was a student in, in grad school, Years ago, I studied marriage and family therapy. This was in Mississippi. And I was given the greatest, greatest, greatest piece of advice I ever had. It was such a good piece of advice that it would have been worth it just for that, for all that I spent on grad school, just to hear this. It was a piece of advice given to me by my supervisor, Martin Davis. He's the guy that coached me in my counseling stuff like that. He was noticing that I had a pattern in my counseling of trying too hard to rescue the clients, right? Too hard to save them, too hard to, to uh, do things for them. Now, he was from Mississippi, and one day he, he uh, came to me and he said to me in his, in his thick southern drawl, right? I loved it, man. He just had this cool way of talking, right? He said in his southern drawl, Jimmy, this is a piece of advice he gave me. He said, Jimmy, don't ever work harder at someone's problem than they will. That revolutionized my counseling, my ministry, my personal life, my social life, my married life, my parenting life. That revolutionized that one little piece of information, one little piece of advice. Don't ever work harder at someone's problem than they will. The same thing happened to the people of God, and I think this is an important point to realize. That some of the insecurity, some of the insecurity we feel in our life is a result from being far from God. That the choices we make have actions that will either bring us closer to God or take us further from Him. And the ones that take us further from God will place us further outside the umbrella of his protection and further off in the rain, and he won't force you back under his umbrella. But, let's be fair, there are other times insecurity happens in our lives for other reasons. Some of the insecurity we feel also is a result of the decisions of others. That's totally true. We didn't ask for it, but because of what other people did, we find ourselves unsettled and having to figure out stuff in the world that we never thought we would. 
Now, all this happened with Judah when the Babylonians took over. They were, they were uh, most likely very God-honoring people. And, uh, when the, and when all the Babylonian invasion stuff went down, it rocked their world. And we can see how this played out in Daniel chapter 1. In Daniel chapter 1, King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to fill his royal staff with the best and the brightest from his conquest in Jerusalem. He knew that Judah was a powerful nation and also very wealthy, so he wanted to have all those resources on his side. So he ordered one of his chief officials to bring in the brightest and the best people of Judah to be a part of his court. And he would house them and train them and feed them and groom them for them to be a part of his court. And so they did as he commanded. In Daniel 1.6, it tells us, among those who were chosen were some from Judah, uh, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These were some of the finest men in Judah. And not only were they given a new place to live, they were also given new names. Daniel 1.7, the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, uh, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. And not only were they expected to take these names, but they're also expected to take on the worship of the Babylonian gods. In other words, they were meant to convert to being Babylonian all the way. Everything they knew so far was supposed to be stripped away. So Daniel, in the midst of all this, gained the most responsibility of the four, and soon he became a high-ranking official, King Nebuchadnezzar's court. He interpreted one of the king's dreams one day, and it blew the king's mind. So much so, the king gave him a high position in his kingdom and lavished on him many gifts, like the Bible says. In fact, Daniel was promoted so high in the ranks that he was able to choose his own team for some of the other provinces that he oversaw. And without blinking, he appoints Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah also known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as the head of the province of Babylon. And it was in this province in Babylon that our story ramps up here. Now watch. You see the King Nebuchadnezzar decided maybe he wasn't getting enough attention. He wasn't getting enough likes on Instagram or something like that. And it was hurting his ego. So what's he do? He builds a massive statue of himself. <laughs> of himself, Right? And if that wasn't enough, he created a system that whenever you heard this certain music, you had to bow down wherever you are and worship that statue. Crazy. And in Babylon, you had no choice. This was non-negotiable. You had to do it. It was a law. But this created a problem because despite what all the other people were doing, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to worship this massive statue. Despite all that the nation had done to get themselves into this mess and be under the power of King Nebuchadnezzar and, and how they found themselves there, they were still committed to worshiping God and God alone. That did not make King Nebuchadnezzar very happy. And so he decided to take them and make an example out of them by burning them alive in the fiery furnace. 
right? After all, you can't have some slaves disrespecting the king. That makes him look bad. That causes chaos in his dictatorship. And so scripture says not only was he going to burn him alive in the fiery furnace, he was going to crank it up so it's seven times hotter than normal. Seven times hotter. But before he does anything, the king looks at these men and he says, Daniel 3, uh, 14 15 says this, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Man, what a cocky guy, right? He's cocky. Didn't make him happy at all. And these men are faced immediately with the decision of security. Check this out. Do you yield to the king and gain the instant security of not being thrown in the furnace and then living in the king's court and, and living powerful and living safe? Do you choose that security or do you stick to what you believe and cling to the security of God? What a choice. That's a tough one. As singles, might I point out to you that they face similar security risks. Do I take the security of being in a relationship with anyone? Or do I find security that God is going to bring me someone in my life that I don't have to compromise my beliefs with? That's real tension. Or this, do I take the security of sleeping with someone because it's my choice or do I find security in trusting God's plan as better than mine and waiting? Those are real choices. And this is just as much truth for our married and, and people in relationships too. It's a decision that we face also every day of our lives in little and big ways. For example, married people, do I take the security of popularity and being liked or being like everyone else? Or do I take the security of being who God made me to be? Do I take the security of the job that pays more but robs me of my family, or do I choose the security that God will provide and my family comes first? How about this one? Do I take the security of the girl that says all the right things to me that my wife never does, or do I find security in what God says about the commitment I made in marriage? over my feelings. What do you do? What do you do? I'm not saying at all, these are easy choices. You know, what do we do? Here's what I see that happens so much with my single friends. I see it all the time, but they, they're single. And they may, they may be in this place in their life where the relationship with God is growing and it's awesome. They're serving and using their gifts. They're making a difference in the lives of people, right? They're focused. And they know God's plan is right. And then they get into a relationship. 
And that relationship is the farthest thing from what they believe. They date someone that doesn't love Jesus or at best will just put up with going to church. And they stop serving and they stop using their gifts and they stop making a difference and they lose sight of who they are and whose they are. And they stop coming to church and they block people on social media. They may even move away to get a new start and let everybody leave them alone. And it breaks my heart and I've seen a lot of that over the years. Because the security of a relationship in that situation trumps the security that can be found only in following God. And it always can come back to a moment like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were facing. They were faced with the choice of security. Give in or burn up. And their answer to the king is one that just blows my mind. This is one of my favorite, favorite passages of Scripture. Because it means so much to me. In Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, they said, If this be so, our God whom we serve, can you just hear him saying this with just like, you know, boldness, like, like just, just not shying away. I love it. That's the way it's meant to be said. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Whoa, that is bold. I wish I could go back in time and just see King Nebuchadnezzar's face. Watch his jaw drop when someone stood up to him. They're saying, King, we choose the security of a different king. It's not all about you. Here's another way we look at it. When we choose eternal security over immediate security, we are saying that we know that God will meet us in the flames. That's a good word. That's what we need to know. But here's the key. This is the key to it all. Daniel 3. I just read this. He said, but if not. Is that contradictory? Not at all. These men stand in the midst of the fires of the unknown and they say, but if not. In other words, we may get burned to a crisp. We know that. We may lose our lives. We know that. We may miss out on the security you provide. We know that. But if all that happens, we choose God anyway. We choose the security found in God. But if not, the key to it all. This was the same unwavering faith in the midst of the flames that inspired the men in that British fleet, too, that we talked about a few minutes ago. That powerful phrase communicated to the people at home the true straits of the men stranded at Dunkirk. As with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the situation looks hopeless, and we pray that God will save us. But if not, we will still be faithful 
As it played out under the cover of fog and at night, the British fleet assembled a caravan of small fishing boats, pleasure cruisers, and small watercraft piloted by the good people that lived on the coast. And 338,000 men were saved that night. The point is this. There are some times in life when we, when we want what we want and what God wants, and they don't line up. There's a disconnect between our plans and his. But we, what we often do is see these differences in the opinions, as opinions as signs that God has left us. When we don't line up with God, we think he left. He's going back on his deal. If it's not my way, I can't trust you. And when it comes to being single or in a relationship, I understand this is a huge deal. It's not like, oh, I didn't get the job I wanted at Best Buy. It's, it's like this. God is calling me to be single my whole life, but I really want to be married. I really want to be a mom and a, a wife. There's a whole lot of emotion and questioning that comes in with that sort of dissonance. But true peace comes when even in the middle of all your fear and all your doubt, you can still say, but if not. That no matter what may come my way, I will find my security in you, God. Like Isaiah says in chapter 43, when you, God says this, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Take away for today, take this with you. True security is when our faith can handle the flames. As believers in Jesus, people are watching you in the world and they're going to ask, how in the world do you find peace in someone you can't see or touch or engage with? Don't you want a man or a woman next to you for that security? But what we know is that we don't just place our relational security in him. We're really saying we place our entire life in his hands. Because through Christ, we find our very breath of life. So no matter what this life may throw at us, no matter what your assignment is in this life, know this. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Christ will never let us down. And because of him, because of that truth, we can say, but if not to this world. Let's pray. Father God, we're so thankful that we can say, but if not, if it doesn't go our way, if it doesn't line up with what we think it should be, we're still okay. You're never going to let us down, Father. You've got us. You've got our back. You go before us. You got us from every side. We're surrounded by your protection. Father, please don't let our emotions lie to us. Please don't let our emotions fool us out of that. But if not, you have us. We thank you for this, God. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week on the Crossroads Grace podcast. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. If you are interested in getting involved in our community or want to find out more information, visit us online at crossroadsgrace.org. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Grace podcast.